0: This is the Youth Ministry Life Podcast. Thanks for listening in. We want to encourage you to head over to Facebook and join our community Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Youth Ministry Life, or you can just search Youth Ministry Life Podcast Community. Over there, we try to generate as much conversation about our episodes as possible. This is just another way that we can share ideas and encourage one another here at the Youth Ministry Life Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. We hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome to the Youth Ministry and Life Podcast. I'm Corey Eastep, and joining me, as always, Tim Russell. And Tim, um, today our topic is about mentorships, and you've invited on the podcast somebody uh, that you would deem a mentor. But the, the truth is that we are young and inexperienced, and pretty much just the most immature people, people you'll meet. Even Absolutely. worse, the worst part of it, Tim, is that we're millennials. Yeah. Can't get much worse than that. No, everybody hey.
1: hates millennials, so it's good.
0: Why? Why do people hate millennials so much?
1: I mean, that's, I think we'll that's just, another we'll episode. delve into that today. I think we can. I think we can talk about that some. Because oh, gotcha. generally, millennials just tend to be idiots. Obviously, have you listened to any of this?
0: How dare you stereotype? Yeah. <laughs> well, the th- all right. The thing about this millennial generation is that we like to question everything, and in all honesty, it's just this questioning everything seems to be taken the wrong way by a lot of people, but and we're not even going to say that all questions are generally from a good motive. Uh, some questions can be from a bad motive, but in general today we're talking about this topic of questions and people in ministry, young people in general who have questions, and mentors who can be the people who help us answer those questions the most. So Tim, why don't you discuss for today, um, why don't you introduce rather our guest for
1: today. All right. Well, our guest today is Pastor Mark Monty. Pastor Monty has been pastoring since 1988, which was one year before he even graduated from Bob Jones University in 1989. Pastored in Concord, North Carolina for four years and moved back to his home state of Minnesota to work as an associate pastor for his twin brother in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. Worked there for five years until 98 when he was offered the pastor position at his current church, Faith Baptist Church of Avon, Indiana. And this is where our paths crossed. In 2000, My family joined the Faith Baptist Church, and it was there that Pastor Mani saw this nerdy, socially awkward, homeschooled kid who felt a call to the ministry. So he took me under his wing. And uh, that is why, uh, you know, when we were discussing the subject of mentoring, I immediately said, we need to contact Pastor Monty because he's been one of my greatest personal mentors. And not only has Pastor Monty mentored me, uh, he has mentored, I would say, easily dozens, if not hundreds of men in the ministry, uh, even several men not in ministry. Pastor Monty just loves people. And he has taught me so much about the value of friendships, about the value of relationships. Uh, So Pastor Monty, thank you for joining us on the show today.
2: Well, I do love people, Tim, and thank you. Thank you for having me on the show today. You know, I love people. I even love the millennials. I I truly love the millennials. Now, I would caution, you know, I think where there's a divide between the millennials and the older generation actually stems from the concept of mentoring, because in mentoring, you're having back and forth conversation. And when one generation divorces itself from another, and that has happened on both sides of the uh, generational aisle, then all of a sudden conversation stops and suspicion sets in. And so I think today, if we want to, especially in ministry and Christian circles, uh, if we're interested in producing the next generation of preachers, then the older generation needs to take interest in them. And and Mm -hmm. conversely, the younger generation needs to listen. I think where where my generation is so weary of some of the millennials is that uh, they think they know everything. Now, I know you guys don't feel that way, but Tim but does. some of them think they know Tim does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, kind of, I've known that for a while. That's one of the <laughs> rough pitches I'm still trying to knock off. But uh, if you millennials will think about it this way, think about it this way. The millennial generation, some of them, not all of them, but some of them think that they are the smartest generation to ever come along. I mean, there's an arrogance about their intelligence, but I want you to think with me, if you will. The millennial generation thinks it's very smart, but it is the only generation in the history of the world that struggles with which bathroom to use. Only (laughs) Now, now, now. so when you put that in perspective, that's not smart, okay, that's not smart, but it is something we have to work on, and that's why I like to mentor, even for some of the most basic areas, we like to mentor. That's good. That's
0: awesome. Well, as we get into our questions here, um, let's define what a mentor is. A mentor is simply defined as a trusted counselor or teacher, and it goes a lot deeper than that, too, and even more specific than that, Uh, but... With this definition in mind, is there a biblical model for mentorships? And I know we can we can come up with a list of them. The first one that comes to my mind, and we even have it in our notes here, is Jethro and and Moses. And uh, I mean, the list goes on. Can, do you have any examples for us for the Monty that you can think of in Scripture that would be an ideal mentorship?
2: Well, I think especially as uh, Baptist people, we're we're very interested in mentoring. Pastors should be. In mentoring the next generation. So we want to look, um, the Old Testament is replete with examples of this, but the New Testament, that is the settled pattern for ministry training. Um, in the Old Testament, you had the School of the Prophets, but in the New Testament, you don't have a Bible college, you don't have a formal training setting, and I'm in favor, I am in favor of all the formal training settings, but I think one of the things that we lack in the formal training is young men being specifically trained in a relational model Um, along with their formal training. So, so for example, in the New Testament, Jesus chose the 12 disciples. That was a mentorship program. Within the 12 disciples, he chose three disciples to be an inner circle. They were the tightest of the disciples. They received the most of the mentoring. And then, of course, that was the foundation of the New Testament church. Another great New Testament example, of course, is Paul and Timothy. And again, in that um, example, you have a relational aspect that is absolutely central. Paul refers to Timothy as his son. So in other words, he, he actually, there was a sense of an adoptive, there was a relational idea behind that, and I think that's what caused Timothy to prosper and to thrive, was the relationship. Um, you know, you guys probably could speak to this better than I, but I've, I've spoken to a number of young men who say one of the most discouraging things about their ministry training was the lack of a real relationship with the older pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, some years ago, I attended regularly a pastor's fellowship, and after the preaching, which unfortunately tended to be a bit mediocre, and I, and by the way, for people who are <laughs> listening, for people who are listening, I'm not referring to your pastor's fellowship. All of a sudden, people listening said, I wonder if he's talking about the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. It, it was actually a pastor's fellowship that was in Siberia, and uh, no. <laughs> 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 but, um, But after the mediocre preaching, there would be um, an equally mediocre luncheon that would be sponsored by (laughs) one of the churches, and and, uh, we would haul off into the fellowship hall. And I noticed this, that the older men would congregate after they got uh, their stale sandwich or their piece of dried-out chicken. (laughs) They would congregate by themselves over in a corner and talk about all of the old battles that they fought, the battles with the CBA of A and the battles with this and the battles with that. And, And they'd known each other for decades. And then I noticed that the younger men would kind of congregate by themselves. And I had a habit, because I'm kind of in the middle, I had a habit of always trying to sit with the younger men. And one of the things that they said to me privately was this. They said, we, we go to these fellowships, but the older guys have no interest in us at all. Mm. And and frankly, that was a strong condemnation of the whole concept. Now, I understand when people get together, they're comfortable with their friends. But, but as pastors, we, we should be reaching out and building relationships, OK? Um, another area is with my staff. With one exception, all of my staff is is far younger than I. And I love to have that personal interaction with them. And it's not a formalized training thing, but it is a personal relationship and it is a friendship. Um, Tim, I think you've probably heard me say this before, but when I hire a person at, at Faith Baptist Church, I will tell a staff member, I will say this, I will say, do not look at me as your boss. Look at me as a friend who could fire you? That's the <laughs> yeah. that's really and, and that encapsulates some of the relationship aspect.
0: Yeah, Towards that too, I wanna to make a, a statement. Uh, about the older generation maybe it's a generational difference but do you think that some of the older generation and maybe I'm stereotyping here too call me out I'm not worried line. about
2: you know you know cody here's the thing about stereotypes there's a grain of truth in all of them or they yeah. wouldn't be stereotypes <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's true,
0: yeah well the thing about it is that the older generation tends to be look at relationships as you described it as sort of a weakness and they' they tend to be more closed off because there's almost this territorial nature and this almost secret part of themselves that they're unwilling to open up. And there's that sense of authority if they're able to keep that part of their life secluded. And to have a relationship, uh, mentorship, that would mean threatening the integrity of that that secret part of their life. You know what I mean? Are you right. It would
2: mean, men- it would mean dropping their defenses. Yeah. And, and Cody, I think you've hit the nail 100% on the head. So the authoritarian, especially in um, conservative Bible-believing circles, as are we, the authoritarian model was very, very effective after World War II. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that was this, that World War II, the men came back from battle and from whatever um, branch of the service in which they served, they were very accustomed to taking orders from headquarters, the, the, the commanding general mentality. And so pastors were able to take that, which was at the time a a strong cultural feature, and they were able to become commanding generals in their own right. And the men of that era were very comfortable with the pastor as the commanding general, and kind of untouchable, kind of up on a pedestal, and we do as he says, and we never question the commanding general, okay? Um, I think it's fair to say in Christian circles that that has resulted in some places in abuse and disaster, abuse of authority and disaster in churches. And so a new generation arose that was not accustomed to that kind of authoritarian approach, and pastors who hold on to that are very nervous of losing what they deem to be power. But their power was based on an authority structure um, and not based on relationships. So, So follow this. Okay, a follower is following you because they want to follow you. In the former generation, they wanted a guy that would just bark out orders and they would do what was said. Today, they want a relationship. Okay, the people that work for me, my staff, my preacher boys, the colleges at which I speak and and where I teach, um, those fellows want to know who I am. That requires a risk. And here's the risk. Mm. The risk is a risk of transparency and being a human being. But may I say something? When you get over that that idea that you have to be on some kind of weird pedestal, when you get over that idea that you have to be more than human or superhuman and you are reasonably transparent with people, it is amazing how many people connect with that and want to follow that yeah now you know it, it comes with a risk okay well you know pastor money if i if i do that then then people might see my flaws there can be benefit in people seeing your flaws because you are a human being and i think that's very important so what <clears throat> what makes up a, re- a relationship you think about this what makes up a relationship several things number one history history tim and i tim we have some history don't we yes we do (laughs) we've been on on trips together and ministry together and we've had some great adventures we have some history number two loyalty okay i'm extremely loyal to tim and i and tim is loyal to me now the minute i say loyalty i know a lot of millennials they melt like little snowflakes because they're so afraid of the (laughs) word loyalty and i had a i had a (laughs) not you guys not Uh, just some of them out there they have to be out there I had one one person argue vehemently vehemently with me that loyalty is not mentioned in the Bible. And the word loyalty does not appear in the Bible. There is a different word, a biblical word, in fact, a more all-encompassing word for the the concept of loyalty, and that is the word faithful or faithfulness. If you'll do a study of that, you'll find that that is more all-encompassing than even the concept of loyalty. And so we use the word loyalty because people relate to that a little bit better, but the concept is scriptural. So you've got history, you've got loyalty, and then you have transparency. That is the third element of relationships. And I think, um, I think that element is very important because I, I am close to Tim because I'm transparent with Tim. Mm-hmm. If I have a huge uh, wall set up between me and Tim, or I am only showing Tim a facade of me, he never gets to know me, and there's no relationship. You cannot have a relationship with a department store mannequin, no matter how nicely the mannequin is dressed. And so there has to be a level of transparency where Tim sees me as a human being.
1: That's really good. good. So you would say then that, that loyalty, you said the the parts of a relationship. There's the history and there's the loyalty. Would you say those are probably the two most important parts? Is there anything else to that oh, in a
2: relationship? Three things. Oh, the transparency. And sorry,
1: the, yeah, I missed that. Yeah, that loyalty transparency.
2: and transparency. Right. Any valuable relationship in life is made up of those things. Okay, you can't. There's no such thing as an instant friend. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Okay, Facebook, Facebook included. Right. There, you can't just push a button and right. be friends with somebody. Okay, yeah. they. You know, you, you meet someone, you feel like you click, you have the same interests, you have the same hobbies, you love Donald Trump, whatever it might be. <laughs> and uh, and then, you, then, then you build history because you spend time with that person. So you go fishing with them or hunting or you go out to eat or whatever you do. And then the more you get to know one another, the more you reveal about yourself to that person as you find out by the way that they're trustworthy. Okay, an individual who is not faithful Let's use the word faithful, loyal, trustworthy. An individual who lacks those characteristics, he can never have close friends. He can never have a relationship uh, with anyone on any depth of level. But mentorship is based upon a willingness to let down your guard. And if you can't do that, you can't be an effective mentor.
1: That's really good. Corey, uh, Pastor has already covered a lot of the some of the material sure. there yeah. from the mentor's standpoint. Um, and if something comes up again, we can obviously readdress it, but let's kind of shift gears a little bit to, uh, for the younger man's perspective, Pastor Monty. Uh, what would you say to a young man who kind of thinks he's got ministry all figured out? Doesn't really, you know, he's just kind of going at it gung ho. Uh, because I know a lot of young guys who really, they, they do, we, we've already alluded to it. They, they look down on some of the older pastors, uh, and they think those guys are just stubborn, stuck in their ways. Therefore they don't have anything meaningful to offer them. Um, I mean, it can't be possible to just not need a mentor. I mean, I don't think anybody's got life figured out. So what would you say to someone who's maybe been burned by an old pastor who just kind of is wanting to go at it alone? Okay, you any well, advice to that?
2: So the go at it alone thing is never scriptural. I mean, that's why we have the New Testament church, okay? We're mm-hmm. we're to edify and build up one another. Um, I understand when people feel like in some level or another they've been burned or their, their feelings have been hurt. I would encourage, though, the younger generation this— Don't look for reasons to be burned. Don't look for reasons to be hurt. Okay. I I think it's, I think sometimes people are a little too sensitive. Now, what, Mm -hmm. what about the older generation? Okay. They held to certain things that are not as um, relevant today as they were back then. Okay. We could talk about a list of them. We could talk about, well, you know, back in those days, that dress code was so draconian and so, uh, so legalistic. And we could, we could talk about all of those things. Those things had a time and a place, and they were not all bad. And here's Mm. what I would say. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, okay? Before you reject something, uh, for example, um, I'm a dispensationalist. Okay, before you jump on the wave of Reformed theology, rather than reading you know, and he's okay in some things, but rather than reading Tim Kellen, rather than reading all these Reformed guys, and especially John Piper, why don't you read your Bible, okay, and figure it out from Scripture? Why don't you go into the Prophets and study a literal interpretation of the Prophets? A literal interpretation of Bible prophecy is the best inoculation against Reformed theology that you can possibly have. But don't don't reject Something and just say, well, that was that's what the older generation believed. I'm going to go this way, mm-hmm. and and I, as a member of <clears throat> kind of a bridge generation, but now older, 51 years old, um, as a member of what I see as a bridge generation, I, I say this: I have found over and over again that at the time they had good reasons for many, not all but for many of the things that were practiced then. And there's often a way to translate that into the contemporary culture and find that we have a good reason for what we're doing based in our culture.
1: Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. I I see too, and this is kind of getting some of our other questions too. There's just, it breaks my heart to see young men kind of buck the advice and the investment from older men in their life. And they kind of act like Rehoboam. You know, remember Rehoboam had some great advice from some of his father's counselors. And then his buddies come along and offer him some different advice, you know, to raise the taxes and increase the the pain and the the control over the people. And Rehoboam listens to his buddies just because they're his friends. He's close to them. Um, I just see stuff like that happening in ministry today to some of my own friends they they just got hurt by someone and i just hate seeing that And i really do appreciate what you said pastor money i think it is wise to not to just throw everybody into one lump group and just say well because this one thing happened or because this one guy said this i'm just going to throw all this advice out the window Uh, it's just really wasteful it seems
2: well and and tim some of the problem is with the older generation okay if you you think about this we we have a young man in our church he he gets called to preach. He shows some level of promise. We, uh, we mentor him. We work with him. We're excited about him. He goes to the right Bible college, the one that we told him to go to. <laughs> he's, taught under, he's taught under all the right teachers. Everything seems like it's on track. Everything is happy. Everything is rosy. He uh, gets out of that Bible college. He takes over church, and then he decides that he wants his music to be a little more gospel-flavored rather than formal-flavored. And all of a sudden, when he jumps the track on music, and I, I'm not talking about going wild, I'm talking about he adds a 16th note here or there. that we <laughs> uh, He does, he jumps the track, and then all of a sudden, we condemn him. Okay, hmm. this person that we're supposed to have loved, and he is our friend. And the older generation well, well, you know, it's just a sad thing. They, you know, so and so is just a failure. You know, they're they're using um, um, Bill Gaither music. So and so is just a failure. <laughs> They've gone off the rails, and and it's almost like we it's almost like we like shake off the dust of our feet and uh, walk away that is crazy okay yeah. that is crazy tim you know um you know i have a relationship with you regardless of what kind of music you listen to you now and i wish you would quit the rap okay the <laughs> mc just but,
1: it's just hard <laughs> to give up you know but
2: uh, but, uh, but uh, no but i i have a relationship with you i'm not going to throw you in the trash can i'm not going to turn my back on you okay tim even if you did crazy stuff even if you went out and sin, okay i'm not going to turn my back on you the idea that anyone has the right to turn their back on somebody else is not bible and do you know how i know that jesus has ample reason to turn his back on me and he never did and so the most christ-like thing i can do is love and forgive and maintain relationships now does that mean i have to agree with you 100 no but, but, by the way, my generation needs to understand, I can have a relationship with someone I don't agree with 100%. In okay. fact, it's probably more interesting than being with someone who parrots my position on everything. And, and I can love that person, and I can be a friend to that person. And I think that's where the weakness in, in, in the older generation lies. Sometimes we said, well, you have to walk in lockstep with us. On every issue, every standard, every position, or we will just reject you, and we will write a resolution against you in the next meeting of the fellowship. We'll vote on the resolution, and we will put the final nail in your coffin. That kind of behavior has hurt; it has not helped.
1: Yeah,
0: that's yeah, it's good. A lot of young preachers, a lot lot of young youth pastors. Let's talk about our audience for a minute. they get to a spot in their ministry where maybe one of the young people asks a question that they've never considered, or they in their own study come across something and they start to ask questions. And they're they're questions, difficult questions, serious questions about theological positions, or even just philosophical questions that lead to deeper things like Calvinism, things like that. Um, What? Can you, what advice can you give to a young man who may be in that position where he's starting to ask these questions? And I, I went through this myself. I, I went through, I was asking some questions and some of the answers that I was getting were, were great answers, but some of the questions I was getting were the cliche answers that don't really answer a whole lot. They're just kind of those scripted answers. Or the other end of the spectrum would be that questions are perceived as a slight against authority And that there's concern given as a response rather than an answer. What advice do you have for a young man who may be in that position?
2: Okay, so a sincere and honest question comes from a heart who has not predetermined a direction. Mm, That's that's really, really important. Okay, So so if someone um, decides, if a young person decides, for example, to embrace the trappings of reformed theology and the reason i use the word trappings is uh you know some of the reformed guys they're super great at at fonts and and match finishes and <laughs> and all of these these things that are so attractive that i i don't understand why anyone cares you know i've got guys on my staff that design this stuff and they'll spend 15 minutes 20 minutes picking out a font and I don't understand that. I, I just, just make it in letters and 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 make it readable. And please make it large enough for us old people to see. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and then they, they sign out an information brochure. It's not a brochure. It's a card with a website. It doesn't say anything. I want a trifold brochure in small print that details everything down to the dress code and the hotel where I will stay. Uh, but that doesn't <laughs> happen anymore. Okay, That's an old generation thing. Yeah. Um, we, we People who adopt the trappings of Reformed theology, and it's very slick. It's very attractive in many, many ways they They do they already are leaning that direction. Mm. They're heading that direction, And sometimes they approach the older guys with an air of challenging them. And the older guys read it this way. They read it like, "Oh, so you're saying for the last forty years of ministry, I've been wrong." okay? And that's mm. an affront to them, And that's when yeah. that that's when the great divide happens. So here's what I would say. Um suppose you have a genuine concern about your position on Calvinism, okay? I, I would recommend this. Read all sides of the issue. I can, um, I can give you some books to read. I can make some recommendations. I could sit down and talk and answer questions from my position. But the way you're going to benefit and come to your own conclusion is to read with fairness all sides of the issue. So, so I would, I would, if I, if I was going to read the Calvinistic side, I would read Lorraine Bettner's book on the reformed faith. Okay. That is a classic Lorraine Bettner's book. And then if I were going to read the anti-Calvinistic side, Ronnie Rogers, okay, has a great book that he's written. It's very deep, but I would read them all. And I would read them with an open mind. Um, If you, are already headed a direction and you're determined to head that direction and the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked so it's hard to tell where your heart is leaning but i think you would know if you're leaning that way and you have already put on john calvin's glasses then everything you read in the bible is read according to the glasses you've chosen to wear Mm -hmm. and so you have to be objective you have to back up and say really what does the bible teach and my generation needs to be patient patient Okay, we're not going to hand you Curtis Hudson's um, pamphlet, why I disagree with all five points of Calvinism, and you're going to be fine. Okay, that's just not going to work. Okay, as as great a man as Dr. Hudson was, that doesn't work with this generation. But my generation needs to be patient, but I think the younger generation needs to really study these things out. And and can I give a recommendation here? Guys, um, you're too young to put yourself completely in a box. Mm. okay there there are some things you don't have to decide on there are some things that take an immense amount of study to come to a particular conclusion on and no one is forcing you to come to a particular conclusion on anything don't rush that until you're certain
1: that's good man i really like that because I, I think i think that's what kind of I, I saw this a lot especially in college you know you got these kids who are all being scholarly and everything and shortly after college they feel like they have to have all the answers to every question so I like that you said that because we don't have to have all the all the answers to every question you know um, and that's that's where a mentor comes in handy someone who's been there before someone right, to give you and that an guidance.
2: honest mentor Tim an honest mentor will tell you when he doesn't have the answer yeah. to a particular question okay? but at the same time and, do, you, do you think that maybe mentors if you if
0: you know you're in a mentorship position educating yourself on that so you can provide knowing why you believe what you believe in a succinct way that you can give a clear answer as to why you believe what you believe do you think that's
2: Absolutely. True? Okay, absolutely. That is essential. So the older generation cannot take the position this is true because I said so. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that that is that is poison. And by the way, it was poisoned to the other generations that, that were able to accept that authoritarianism. Um, you know, we're not lords over God's heritage, okay? We're shepherds. And so sometimes you need to step back and say, okay, I don't understand this issue or that issue well enough. Let's discuss this or um, let's read a book together and talk about the contents of the chapter or whatever that may be. Or look at the motive. Look at the motive. Okay, So a lot of, uh, frankly, to be honest with you, a lot of theological trends have more to do with motive than they have to do with theology. Um, it is the same thing that we saw in the 1980s, uh, the big church growth movement that really went off the rails away from doctrine. Um, the same thing is happening today with, and of course, all these things are very passe, but seeker-sensitive, I think that's kind of over with, you know, we're kind of done with that. And the emergent church thing, uh, you don't hear as much about that as you used to, but all of those things, what was the motive? Typically, the motive was crowd-building, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and while we want to win souls and build a crowd, we want to do that. The, the, that cannot be the chief motive. And knowing what we believe, and if you don't know the answer, study it out, but knowing it is my responsibility to give good, solid answers. Here's where I'm encouraged, okay? I've kidded a little bit about the millennial generation, but here's where I'm super encouraged. I have the opportunity uh, to speak in Bible colleges around the country. I teach in a Bible college regularly. I teach on the seminary level at Pensacola Theological Seminary, and here's what I'm seeing out of the young men. If, If you can prove a position from the Bible, and and not some kind of shaky proof texting, okay, if you can prove a position from the Bible, and that it is thoroughly scriptural, and that it meshes and melds with the rest of the message of the Bible, if you can demonstrate that to a young man, the millennial generation will hold on to that, they will stand for it, and it will become a conviction. But if you're peddling things that are cultural preferences or things that are your personal preference but not necessarily found in scripture they see right through that so the strength of this generation is this an eagerness in my opinion and I've I've seen this anecdotally an eagerness to know what does the Bible actually say and that is the thing we're going to hold to and and to me I'll be honest with you guys that that gives me great hope as we march into the future that gives me great hope that's great well
1: this this has all been great, and I I'll say this real quick. I I feel like, Corey, you interject whenever you you feel necessary. I think you've hit all the points, Pastor Monty. Because I'm thinking from for me as a younger man's perspective, you know what do I look for in a mentor? And I think especially that that transparency is huge. Um, I think just that honesty, upfrontness—you know, just telling telling me the answer to my question, not not challenging me, not looking down on me, just saying like, "All right, you got a question? Let's help this guy out." And that's what I valued in my relationship with you, Pastor Monty, and, and in other mentors in my life is these men who are just really honest and transparent with me, um, and who take time. I think that's another part of it is, is somebody, and that's I guess that would be the history part of it, you know, is just that they they, they give me their time. That means so much to me, um, you know, as opposed to just like a quick passing comment, like they're actually saying, let's have a conversation about this. Let's sit down over a cup of coffee. Um, some of my fondest memories with you, Pastor Monty, were literally around a meal or around a cup of coffee or, or in a car ride. Pastor Monty would take me on hospital visits. I loved that <laughs> as a teenager, just because I got to sit in the car with him and he would just just, you know fill my mind with all these, you know, life advice, you know, just, just anything and everything. And that quality time we had together was just so meaningful. Um, so what would you say for a young man? Who's like, man, I I want that. You know, I want to find somebody who's going to give me their time. Who's going to, who's going to be honest with me. Uh, but they just don't know where to look. Maybe it's a young pastor. And he's all alone in some small Kansas town, God forbid. And you know, he's just he's just stuck out there by himself. There's no one around him. You know, what would you recommend to someone who's new to ministry or young in ministry who's looking for some guidance, who's looking for some honest answers and some honest help?
2: Well, okay. One of the things that, um, in fact, and I'm, I'm teaching the uh, assistant pastors course at Indiana Baptist College right now. One of the things I told those young men: you're 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 going to hire on to a ministry, okay. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be interviewed by the pastor, and the pastor is going to be extremely interested in your talents, gifts, abilities, blah, blah, blah. Um, you, as a young man, need to be very interested in what that pastor brings to the table in your life. Mm. And I'm not just talking about the salary, the health care, the office, okay? that That's very shallow if those are the the chief concerns. So you want to inquire of a man, um, you know, are you willing to take the time to teach me, to train me, to be patient with my mistakes, um, to invest in me? And one of the ways, Tim, that you would find that out is to ask other people who have worked for that man if that was their experience, okay? So if the pastor is interested in hiring a lackey who will do as he says and keep his mouth shut, you don't want to work for that pastor, but mm. if the pastor is looking for a talented young man that he can train and mold and help, um, at that point I think you're going to be very blessed with the opportunity uh, to be part of a ministry. and And so the pastor's track record is key. Um, it is unfortunate that a lot of young, men, uh, a lot of older men are not um, headed that direction anymore, but there are many who are and who would cherish the opportunity.
1: That's really good. Well. I mean we've covered so much. I, I I'm really blessed by this conversation today and and I'm privileged having a relationship with you, Pastor Monty. That I, a lot of these things you're saying I've heard before. You've already taught me these things, and it's been a big yes. Help it's me.
2: really like a broken record, Tim. I I don't have much, <laughs> but what I have, I can repeat.
1: I appreciate <laughs> it. It's it's meant a lot to me. There's a lot of things you've said that just stuck in my mind and and really influenced my life and ministry. Uh, but before we close, is there anything else you'd like to say about this subject of mentoring or or relationships or, um, you know you know for the young man or for the older man? On on both sides. Well, I
2: would it. I would say this and and maybe young men listening, um, if this has resonated with you in any way, maybe you could encourage your pastor to listen to this. And yeah. uh, it might be uh, it might be, you know, you, I'm expressing and and Tim and Cody, you're expressing things that the that young man is feeling, and then that pastor can get an idea about this. But I would say to the the older men, um, it takes an investment of time. It takes an investment of resources. And it takes an investment of heart. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about the heart investment, you, you have to be willing to put yourself out there a little bit, to be transparent, to, to risk even having your feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to put forth the effort with that young man to work through his issues, because he'll have issues. We all have issues. And I think you need to truly be yourself. And 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 there are some men who simply cannot do that. They won't do that. And so it doesn't work for them. But there are others who would be eager to do this um if if given kind of the paradigm for it and i think we've laid out a good paradigm here yeah. and and for the young men for the young men if if they're in a ministry position where the the pastor just doesn't do this or doesn't have time for it or is, it takes no interest in it um then maybe finding someone else as a mentor that would be local in the community if there's another pastor or something that might be a little touchy with some senior pastors who wouldn't mentor them they'd get all sensitive about that but but um (laughs) uh, i think i I think it's really a good thing and then by the way as you guys are getting older okay you know you're youth pastors so you know who are you mentoring well we had 75 in youth group last week i didn't ask how many you had in youth group who are you mentoring is there one or two or three so that you can say yeah you know I, I take this kid out to lunch after you know sometimes or i go to his ball game sometimes or yeah. i you know we do stuff together sometimes is there I mean, that's real ministry okay that is yeah. where the uh reward is going to come that is where the fruit that remains is going to come and so whether this has happened in your life or not with a mentor i really challenge you to be that for someone else and that's you'll so be good. amazed how that'll work it will it will produce fruit for many, many years, fruit that remains. Yeah. That's all so That's awesome
0: good. input. Um, I just want to say even one more thing about uh, young men who may be in the position where they have some questions that they want answered. and um, Just be careful about asking questions and your mode of asking the questions. I, I just know this This is a lesson I've learned from my own personal experience, so take it for what it's worth. but. The tendency, and Tim, we've talked about this before, the tendency to ask questions and question everything can become addicting. And mm-hmm. you, can, you can grow to question things that uh, your motives may get a little bit ahead of you and you may not even realize that you're doing it. It can become a trend, and it is trendy among millennials to ask questions. But don't mm-hmm. do it just for the sake of trying to appear smart or right. follow a
2: trend. Don't fall into that pitfall. That.
1: There, there's a difference between questioning and challenging yeah right i think that's the biggest mm-hmm. part of it
2: yeah. right and, and and some of the older men feel challenged by just by any questioning so being careful how you <laughs> ask the question and not and like not questioning everything you know there there are some things that are traditional in in churches that have just they've done that that way for a long time um and they may change one day they may not but but um yeah i think on big things but on little things I think some things you have to just accept and kind of let go and, yeah. and you know so in my growing up Tim in my growing up there were certain rules that we don't really hold to as much anymore, certain certain standards of conduct. Well, you know, you can you can do a couple different things with that. You can you can say, Yeah, you know, I'm I'm bitter about that chaperone rule. That was just over the top. They just they were too nosy about it. I'm just bitter, I'm just angry, and it's hurt my life, and now I need to see a psychologist. Okay, you can do that. You can go you can go that route, or or you can do this. You can say, Wow, you know, they were, they were, it might have been over the top, but they loved me. They really wanted yeah. to protect me. Right. You know, and honestly, it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt that the church had a dress code. It didn't hurt me. It didn't hurt that they taught me to dress appropriately. It didn't, it didn't hurt me at all. Or And you can even say this, you can even say, it was kind of cute. It was kind of quirky. Some of it, some of it, okay, it's it's part of a bygone thing. But every culture has its, every every, every facet of culture has its moment in the sun The millennial culture will have its moment in the sun, and then there'll be a twilight, and then the generation to come after that will say, "What were you guys thinking?" Okay, right? (laughs) Uh, You know, it's it's a guarantee, and and so uh, you know, so to look at it charitably, I look at it charitably. Okay, well, Pastor Money, some of those people, there were some real excesses in fundamentalism. Okay, I get that, but I want to look at it charitably, and and here's a good Mm -hmm. rule of thumb, you know, Romans fourteen is still in the Bible. Okay, I, I don't judge another man's servant. Um, the Lord judges that person, and I benefited tremendously from. All mm-hmm. kinds of different people with whom I wouldn't agree on every little thing today, but I bless the ground on which they walk because they were sincere, dedicated Christians who really sincerely wanted to do their best for the Lord and never harmed me in any way. Even if a rule today is viewed as well, Pastor, that was kind of ridiculous. Okay. Even if you if you view some rule that way, you know it never hurt me. It was a yeah. good thing. It was that's a good, good thing. That's how I want to view things. Yeah, that's really good.
0: It's awesome. Well, this has been a very profitable discussion today. Absolutely. Um, thank you, Brother Monty, for coming on, taking the time out of your busy schedule to be able to share some thoughts with us about mentorship. And thank you to our audience today for listening. And don't forget to check us out on our website, the youthministrylife.com, or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash youthministrylife, or email us at youthministrylife at gmail.com.
1: We want to hear from you, so if you have any input on today's subject, resources you'd like to share, questions about youth ministry, or ideas for future episodes, please contact us.
0: Thanks again for listening. On behalf of Tim Russell and Pastor Monty, this is Corey Estep saying, God bless you and your youth ministry.